Welcome to the Dark Depths Podcast, your go-to place for the modern and legacy format. I am one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and I am here with my co-host, the Bonder prodigy himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I'm exhausted. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. Exhausted. Why are you exhausted? Uh, so, my job has had a couple confirmed cases of COVID. Oh, no. And so, a lot of people are out of work right now, okay. uh, which makes sense. Hmm. But because of this, I am going to be working about 70 hours this week uh, probably also about 70 hours next week um currently i have no days off planned for like the next two weeks uh so it might be more than 70 when it's all said and done (laughs) and Mm. also i am missing at least two of my staff members from all of these shifts so that's been going on for a couple days so just like working longer shifts than usual and harder shifts that's miserable. All right. Well, how about we keep this week a little short then? We'll just, we'll kind of breeze through. We definitely have some topics we want to talk about, but let's keep this on the shorter end then. Yeah. So how are you doing this week? <laughs> I, I'm, we just got back from um, break. It's, it's my second day back in school. Um, we have today where the kids, well, this week, actually, the kids are actually at home. We're in the building, at least teaching from our classrooms. The kids come back on Monday and then we'll start back with our hybrid schedule potentially. So um it, it's been okay it's just a little different it's always weird uh teaching to an empty room yeah that makes sense it's nice that uh you actually have the empty room though instead of half kids half not kids now mm-hmm. well i mean it, my other thing too is like i do, i don't have a whiteboard at home um i don't have you know, a projector. So it's, there's a lot of things being in at least a school building or at least a, an office setting, I'll say it like that. Um, definitely gives me some benefits as a teacher. It also helps me separate the work. If I, when I do have to work from home, it's very hard for me to actually do work. Um, so it's nice to at least have that separation for a little bit. All right, well, let's just jump into our decks of the week then. Um, so once again, we've been doing this every week. We're posting... Um, a modern and a legacy deck of the week. Um, something you can definitely try out at home if you're interested. Uh, Maps, you had a modern deck of the week this week. What was it? Uh, so I'm going with, I guess we'll just call it the four color breach deck. Um, gonna look specifically at the list that Source Odin, aka Kane uh, Reinhardt, played in what is it, the Sunday challenge mm-hmm. to a 13th place finish, going 6 2. So Underworld Breach is like, to me, is this weird thing in modern. Because everybody knows Underworld Breach is busted. Like, it got banned out of Legacy so fast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a handful of people were playing it in modern for a while. Uh, like, when when it first came out, like, I was playing it in a Gritsis list that I copied from uh, Will Thompson, a.k.a. Bill Sive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a couple of us were working on that. And then it sh- kind of shifted to the just guy builds which i never really liked um but then when like companions and uh uh astrolabe got banned so that kind of vanished from the format but uh will thompson recently came up with a new list and people have been copying it and having good success this was uh kane's take on it so this is a really cool deck so you're playing I mean, some of these cards, we, once again, we talked about Emery, Lurker of the Lock being a busted card for a while. Um, but you're also playing, what, Kin and Bonder Prodigy, which I think is a really cool card. Yeah, I will say, uh, one of the first things Kane said after the challenge was that 
Canon was bad and moving forward, everybody has cut it from their decks. Okay. Uh, this list is already slightly out of date, which is kind of insane because it's only like two days old. Yeah. But that's the cool thing about uh, this world we're living in right now where everyone just plays a magic online all the time. Yeah, the decks are getting iterated so quickly now, which is, you know, I think, cool. Um, I mean, you're also playing Gilded Goose, which, I mean, just, I think, has been, at this point, a multi-format all-star. Um, then you have one copy of Thassa's Oracle. So is that is that how you're planning on win- winning most games? Yeah. Um, so I know in the list build, origin- or, sorry, well, originally played, you could actually win with, uh, I think the plan was to win with Walking Ballista, but that was really slow and cumbersome, and this is not really slow and cumbersome. Uh, Thassa's Oracle continues to be a messed up magic card and just wins the game on the spot after mm-hmm. you mill yourself out. Yeah, Thassa's Oracle and I are on, on bad terms right now. I've, I, over the past three weeks, I'm going to say, I've won a lot, or I've lost a lot of games to Thassa's Oracle where I'm at like a thousand life. I just died with Thassa's Oracle anyway. It's a very good card. I, uh, Thassa's Oracle is, I don't know, it's something. I'd be excited to start resolving a lot more of them in Legacy in the near future, though. Yeah. Um, well, how about the Grinding Station and Paradox Engine? I've been I've obviously used to play Paradox Engine and EDH a bunch. Um, Grinding Station actually is a cornerstone in my you know Tashar Apostles Ancestor or whatever that deck is. But what are the Grinding Station and the Paradox Engine doing in this type of deck? Uh, so the Grinding Station is a big part of the combo. So for anyone who's unfamiliar... The combo is uh, pretty compact, honestly. Uh, So you need Mox Amber uh, or just extra mana laying around. Uh, But Mox Amber, uh, Emery, uh, although you don't even necessarily need the Emery to start off with. Mox Amber, Grinding Station, and um, Underworld Breach. So what you do is you sack the Mox Amber to the Grinding Station, targeting yourself. You mill three cards, which fuels you being able to play the Mox Amber, then you play it from your graveyard. It triggers the grinding station, untaps the grinding station. You tap the grinding station, sacrificing the Mox Amber, mill yourself, and do that, you know, until your deck is in your graveyard. And then that's when you play uh, the Thassa's Oracle. So the grinding station, key component. Uh, the Paradox Engine is also kind of cool. Um, people are kind of moving it over because we don't talk about this format, but there was a Paradox Engine deck in Historic that broke out at the last, uh, whatever the Pro Tours are called now, Fire Stores? Uh, yeah, Player Four of the Mythic Championship. Or... Set, set Championship. Yeah. That's the one. Uh, I feel bad because I honestly don't remember. I just know I want to get there again. Uh, but so people have been porting it over and they ported it from Historic to Pioneer and then from Pioneer to Modern, which is part of how we ended up with this deck. Mm. I have seen the Paradox Engine do some cool things. Uh, like I was watching uh, Karn animate the Paradox Engine or Paradox Engine just like go to town. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. Paradox Engine just soloed the opponent from 20 life. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah. But I do believe uh, the Paradox Engines have also largely been cut from people's list. It's just a little slow and it doesn't always do things. Yeah, I mean, the the deck, I guess, outside of the... They do play four car, copies of Karn the Great Creator, but besides that, the deck is really, really sleek, right? Most of everything else is uh, two mana or less. So the, the Paradox Engine does kind of um, stand out as a very expensive card in this deck that plays 20 lands. 
Uh, one of the debates too is how good is Karn actually in this deck? Karn is an interesting card because it just like shuts down complete archetypes of modern sometimes. So mm -hmm. like it can never really be that bad. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the debate right now is, are you supposed to be playing Karn or are you supposed to be playing Urza as your four drop of choice? Oh, okay. uh, both cards can just win the game on their own. Mm. Uh, so people aren't really sure. Uh, there's some pretty strong figures supporting both sides. Uh, I think more people are leaning towards the side of Urza, although I think Canister is on the side of Karn. And it's kind of hard to go against Canister because I mean, Canister. the results speak for themselves. Yeah. Well, uh, especially with artifact strategies too. Yeah, I mean, well, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I think I'm personally on the side of Urza because when I played the deck before a while ago, I played Urza strategies, and also like playing Urza lets you free up more sideboard slots. And uh, the way the decks are largely being built, like today, although that you know could change by tomorrow when the podcast is released, uh, yeah. they're being built a lot more like normal. Magic decks that just have this combo finished, sort of. So, like, I think Urza is better when you're doing that kind of stuff. Like, and, um, like, they're playing with Ren and Six and cards like that. And I just think Urza works a little bit nicer in that kind of strategy. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, Karn, Karn is just so fragile. Like, it's so easy to deal with Karn. Hmm. Uh, and then you're just kind of, you didn't get anything out of it, whereas Urza always leaves something behind. But, who knows? It, and it's very possible that you're supposed to play a mix, too. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think with... So you do... Act, obviously, Karn opens up the sideboard package. You know, I think having access to something like a main deck, Engineer Explosives is always nice. Tormod Script is obviously a, a bomb um, and some matchups. But even, like, something like Worm Coil Engine is really nice. Or getting that fourth uh, grinding station out of your sideboard in case they try to, like, surgical your uh, main deck copies. Um, the thing i think that's really nice about urza though is that it does have really nice synergy with paradox engine where you can just tap you know a, a stray um like mishra's bauble or paradox engine um and add extra mana as you're kind of going off if you need to um, kind of go off like that um the other thing too is it does make your mox ambers it's another legendary creature for your mox ambers which i think is huge in some situations yeah i think the mox amber point is pretty big i don't know both cards are great i i honestly you're just supposed to play a mix of the two. I haven't had the chance to actually play any with this deck myself yet, unfortunately, because, like I mentioned, getting murdered at work. But, <laughs> uh, you know, hopefully uh, people are able to come to a good list. I'm, I'm really excited about this deck existing again. Yeah, it's definitely really cool. Yeah, definitely, if you if you play let me know. I definitely would, would be interested, assuming you have room to, to sleep <laughs> and play some yeah, well-rested games. I... Yeah, this deck's so cool. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is about Underworld Breach. That card's just... It, it's a cool card. And the deck is, like, surprisingly resilient. Well, I, I think Underworld Breach is one of the few cards in this... In this I'll, I'll actually say the modern era, because I, I mean, I think modern era is actually fair. Or you could say, like, the pioneer era. Um, but that actually has that feel of, I'm a broken thing that I'm doing. Like, I think cards like Lurus, I think we have accepted, is a very powerful card and a very unassuming shell. Um, but something like Mind's Desire, which is the card, you know, when I started first playing, Mind's Desire kind of screamed, I'm a broken card, by the way, guys. Hope you guys don't mind. Same thing with Tendrils of Agony, right? They were in the same um, set. But I think Underworld Breach was one of the first cards, more recently at least, that people were caught off guard by how broken the card actually was. Uh, since you mentioned Loris, I just want to throw out there real quick. Uh, 
Mark Tobias, aka Diablo XSC, mm-hmm. has also been streaming uh, an Underworld Breach deck. No. His has been a different four color version though, and he's actually playing Loris in his build. Oh. The thought of playing Loris with Underworld Breach is like pretty cool. Uh, it gives you an extra layer of redundancy. The only awkward thing is, you know, if people are already bringing in Graveyard Heat as a way to beat you, then you know that stops Loris and and it stops Underworld Breach, but even the way people are building now, people are playing with Ren and Six, so it stops Ren and Six in addition to Underworld Breach. Uh, yeah. And people bringing in Graveyard Hate actually is a reason that you might want to play Karn so that you can always get your engineered explosives as a way to deal with their answers. Mm-hmm. There's so many questions about how to build this deck. I, I'm really interested in seeing what the final configuration ends up being. Yeah. I, I think... will. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I will probably put in a non-zero amount of work to trying to help figure it out in time for whatever my next big modern event is. I guess the showcase challenges later this month. Yeah, I think so. Assuming I'm able to play enough magic to actually get any QVs. Assuming you have enough sleep to actually stay awake for the entire event. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm staying up for it. That's, uh, that's not debatable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, this is a really cool deck, though. Yeah, I definitely would like to see. Maybe, I'll, maybe I'll try to see if I can find. Do uh, does uh, Source Odin? Who was it? You said that was again. Source Odin, uh, Ken Reinhard. He streamed it. Uh, okay. I believe his vods are on, but I'm not positive. Uh, Doomwake was also streaming it today. Canister okay. streamed it this morning, I believe. So there's definitely video of it out there. Okay, cool. I'll have to go find that then. All right, let's um, look at the Legacy deck then. I think you might like this one. This is actually by uh, MW94GA. Not a very good name, but it's a name we have anyways. Um, hey, they might have worked hard on that. You what, don't know. What does it mean? It's like my, like Men's Warehouse 94 Georgia. Like, what is what is that? Look, it, it means something to them. It probably does. Uh, this deck, and like our group chat, we've kind of... We mentioned before we have a, a Facebook Messenger group chat we've been in for a while, and we have a lot of friends that really like decks like this, right? We we talked about how powerful cards like Dreadhorde Archimist is, and cards like Teferi Time Raveler, um, but even cards like Monastery Mentor, I think, is a card that was really popular in the old Miracle builds that kind of fell out of favor, but it's still a really powerful card. Um, also, something like Counterbalance doesn't come up um, as often as it used to now that uh, since it's Divining Top. Um, has gotten banned. Um, this deck kind of pulls together all these different elements that I think everyone agrees are powerful, but just hasn't really found a home. And this actually ends up getting first place in the Legacy Challenge here. So, um, kind of going through the highlights once again: Dreadhorde Arcanist, Monster Mentor, Teferi Time Raveler uh, with Counterbalance. Um, also playing some copies of Arkham's Astrolabe. Plenty of counter spells. Uh, one of my favorite spells in. Uh, Savian's Reclamation, just a really, really neat card, um, especially in a deck that's playing Teferi and um, Monastery Mentor. Um, and then pretty nice sideboard, um, just some really neat cards here. Um, Torpor Orb, not a card I often see in Legacy, but still very powerful. Um, copies of Blood Moon in a three-color deck, which I think is really sweet. Um, and then also a copy of uh, Court of Grace, which is a card I have not actually seen in sideboards. It's a really cool deck overall. Yeah, I'm a big fan of strategies like this, personally. Uh, haven't gotten the chance to play this out yet. I actually 
don't think I've played Magic in like two weeks, unfortunately. Um, but I, I am interested to giving this deck a shot. Yeah, like I, this, I oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I've seen some pretty polarized opinions. So and on Twitter, I've seen some people play it and be like, "Wow, this deck is a masterpiece," and other people will play it and just can't buy a win. So. I'm wondering if it's, I'm assuming it's a matter of how people play it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it probably plays out way less like a control deck than a lot of people would think. Yeah. I think counterbalance is a big card that signals to people like, oh, I'm just supposed to be countering everything. Whereas I know that the player who won with this deck actually posted on Twitter that wasn't kind of their plan with counterbalance. Counterbalance was more so there just to protect Arcanist and Mentor. And then those cards could very easily end the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of times, especially in decks like this, when you cast a counterbalance on two, your opponent's like, oh, I have to counter that. And then you can easily re- resolve an Arcanist, right? Or they decide that a Force of Will is worth it on the counterbalance, and Arcanist is not as much of an issue, things like that. Um, but even, and we've had this a couple times, where it's like, well, I, I really would like to cast Lightning Bolt here, but, like, if the cap, if counterbalance hits... Um, my lightning bolt, right? Like I'm never getting that Arcanist off the board. So I guess let me try to set up a turn where I know what the top card is. So let me try to burn like a, a brainstorm potentially so I can lightning bolt um, after if I, if I get through, which I mean, I, I think makes a lot of these t- turns and playing against a deck like that's really difficult. Yeah. Playing against counterbalance has always been uh, an interesting thing, especially I mean, you could argue not so much when they had top, although I found a lot of those games interesting too. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I still, I still think miracles that vintage, uh, well, not vintage, the legacy, uh, but that classic um, top miracles deck, I think, is one of my favorite decks to play against. Even though I, I lost a lot of those matches, um, but I still think it had the most, some of the most interesting gameplay. Even though a lot of people thought it kind of boiled down to, do they have top? Do they have counterbalance? I'm going to die to entreat. Um, a lot of those games, I think, were really interesting. All right. All right. Well, and once again, we're going to post these decks in our show notes. So if you want to um, check them out, try to give them a spin. Uh, let us know what you uh, how your games go. Feel free to email us and send us some uh, sweet screenshots on Twitter, if you would. Um, well, let's move on here. Once again, we're kind of keeping this on a schedule today. Um, did you play the challenges, this, the, uh, what's the, the, the showcase challenges? Did you play the mana traders? Mana traders? Again, I honestly did, don't think I've played magic in two weeks. Yeah. Okay. I was pretty sure you didn't, <laughs> you didn't qualify for it. I just wasn't sure. But I, uh, I know you played, so how did it go? Yeah. I'll take it. Uh, I ended up playing my version of the uh, Healer Company deck. And uh, and I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I made some small changes. The big thing is adding um, a copy of the Even Mind Sensor to the main deck. Um, I cut the Eldamri's Calls um, just to kind of buff out the uh, creatures. Um, I ended up starting off for one and then I just bomb the, re- the back half. So I ended up going, I think, um, one and three in the last four matches there. Uh, losing three in a row was kind of rough. I ended up salvaging the last match, if you can call it that. Um, so kind of disappointing. Any lessons learned? Um, not 
not really. I'm gonna be honest. Um, it was one of those things. I I think I might have gotten over excited. Like I think when I was four one, I got just a little bit excited. But I also ran into matchups that were kind of difficult. Um, I had a like I had a game versus red black, which I think red black is a, a good matchup still. Um, I had a game versus red black where I mulligan to five and then got thought feast, thought feast, thought feast out of the game. Um, so I, I don't know if there's something I missed there. Um, I actually had a game uh, in a league earlier this week where with a hand like that, I ended up um, mulliganing down to, I want to say, five cards. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to keep two lands and three spells and I'll be okay. And I, I something like that happened where I got Inquisition, Thoughtseize, Thoughtseize, um, and never drew another land. But I put back two lands there. Uh, so versus the red-black deck, what I've been doing now is when I do have to mulligan that low, um, I've instead just been keeping my lands, if I have to mulligan like five or something like that. Because if I end up getting Thoughtseize, I'm not going to win that game. Um, especially if I never hit my third or fourth land. Like, I need a big catch-up spell, but I need to be able to cast a big catch-up spell. Um, and if they do have Thoughtseize and they decide to Thoughtseize me when I have four lands in hand... Um, that's actually going to buy me some time there, too, because it's not taking away anything from me, but it's taking time away from them. Um, I wanted to try that, but it, the situation really never came up. Um, so, But it, it's just one of those things, I think, going forward, I think, trying to mulligan so their thought pieces and equalization are minimized, I think it's a good strategy, but once again, it didn't really work for me. Um, I also did get into some situations with the four-color Ura deck, where they really just played, I don't even want to call it, like, Countercat, but, like, I, <laughs> they literally resolved a, um, an Uro, um, and no other spells. Actually, no, they, yeah, no, it's an Uro. I think it was an Uro. Uh, it was an Uro and no other spells, um, but they countered every spell that I played, uh, which I don't think is normal. I don't think they normally counter every single spell. Um, but I kind of got locked under a uh, Ren and Six, an Uro, and a Teferi Time Raveler and just couldn't actually play the game. So there's, there are some situations there where I, I, maybe I could have played better, but it's kind of hard to see. I think I might have to go back and rewatch some of the matches um, that I lost. Um, I also did lose to Goblins, uh, <laughs> which was... Uh, not a deck I expected to see, but it, the games were actually really good. It was, um, obviously, like, I'm, I'm used to seeing it in Historic, where they have uh, Muxus, and, I, you know, you get Muxus out, right? Um, they were just playing the, the typical copy game with uh, Snoop, uh, the Harbinger, and um, Kiki-Jiki. Uh, but they actually did something interesting where they didn't get Mog Fanatic. I thought that was what their kill normally was. They actually got... Uh, a sling gang lieutenant is that what the the black one yeah, is? yeah uh, that's that's the usual kill sling gang. Kill now. okay yeah so. i think they still play one mog fanatic actually but sling gang lieutenant is just like actually a good magic card yeah we yeah, can't sure. really say that about mog fanatic so the mog fanatic in the day used to be huge you get a block and then damage on the stack sack and oh pink something else is brutal but yeah it's damage awful. on the stack you're showing your age <laughs> i know um, no, actually, but both the games, you're really upset. Both the games that I lost to Goblins, I died with a Walking Ballista in my hand, where I could have just cast a Walking Ballista for X equals 2, and I'm just like, nah, they can untap with their, their Snoop. Like, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? <laughs> I just died both turns. 
You're right. I am mad. And <laughs> I feel like that definitely counts as a loss in learn. It does not yeah. want your opponent on tap with huge card advantage engines that can also complicate kill you. Yeah. Well, okay. So the, the first time I, I just didn't quite understand. And they had another snoop, like their snoop revealed a snoop. So I knew they were going to draw a second one. I was like, well, let me try to advance my board. I can win the next turn. I should be okay. Um, obviously, I wasn't. Um, and in the second game, I actually had a Oriac Champion on the battlefield. So I was like, well, if they make all these creatures, I'm just going to gain a bunch of life, and then they can't kill me. So that's fine. Um, but what they end up doing is they end up uh, holding priority, making a bunch of tokens. So uh, because they were killing me... Um, the, just the way it kind of sequenced, right? They killed me with my, all my Oriac uh, Champion trigger on the stacks um, and then ended up just making a, a million creatures and then stacking them to ping me. So I just died with a thousand triggers, um, which was brutal. I, and that, once again, that's one of those things I just assumed I they couldn't kill me through an Oriac Champion, but they just did not care. So that was interesting. Test, test, test. Unprepared. Unprepared. I mean, I, I don't play test against goblins. I've, I think it's the first time I've ever played against goblins in, in modern, I guess, well, more recently at least, since, since they've been, um, since they added uh, conspicuous, uh, conspicuous, since they added the snoop to the deck. I think it's the first time I've played against it. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's not a deck that people play a lot. I actually do think it's like a reasonably good deck. I've played various goblin configurations and I've always had fun and always always done okay uh never anything to write home about but yeah. you know a lot of fun still i mean now that i've actually seen it like that's definitely a, a deck i would play just because it is a you know creature combo deck um so it's one of those things if i can if i find a good list a good version of it i might actually try playing it myself see see what all the uh the buzz is about so i think it's always good to, i mean decks like that too um I think are always, you know, really one card away from being busted. And I don't think I don't know if the Snoop was the card that made that deck busted, but the, they always print goblins. Like goblins are just one of those cards that always get get something. Just like spirits, I feel like get something. Humans obviously get something every single set. But um, yeah, I think it'd be good to get your reps in with a deck like that now. So if the deck does become busted in the next year or so, you know, you're already ready. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, what's next on our list of things to talk about? Uh, next thing on our list to talk about, let me see. We talked about Dex of the Week. We talked about uh, the Mana Traders event. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. Did, did you see the MTG calendar that they came out with? I did, yes. You did. Um, so, if you haven't seen this, um, and I, I could be wrong with some of the facts here, um, they made a magic swimsuit calendar, I guess. I, I guess that's the best way to describe it. Um, and I believe the money is going to a, to a good cause, but I I feel like I, I could be wrong about that. I believe it's going to the Trevor Project, if I'm thinking about the right thing. Maybe they're just, raising, maybe they're just doing it just to profit, but I think that's, that's not correct. No, it's going to, yeah, 100%. So this is from uh, Patrick Chapin. Um, they have a 12 Magic players. 100% um, of the profits go to the Trevor pro uh, Project. Um, we got Kibler, Ralph Levy, Jerry T, Martin Yuza, um, 
Eric Froelich, uh, Ben Stark, um, Andre Strafsky, Oliver Tomiko, um, Mike Flores, uh, Josh Raptor, uh, Josh Raptor Layton, uh, <laughs> Josh Utter Layton, and uh, Gab Nassif. So it's available on Etsy. It's ten bucks, which is actually not terrible, I guess, all things considered. Um, but I think it's a cool project, at least that they you know did something to try to raise money for the you know for the Trevor project. Yeah, I'm, I'm just not sure really who the uh, the target audience is for this. I mean, I guess it's Magic players, but uh, this just feels weird to me. I I do support the cause, like I like raising money for the Trevor Project, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's just because this isn't for me, so I don't get it. But if this is for you, you know, more power to you. Yeah, it definitely it's definitely a cool thing. I mean, like you could that's the thing too. Like you could always. Get ten send ten dollars to cheap in, and then once again it's a profit. So I, I don't know. I'm sure they're not getting any cut of this, um, but I'm sure there's production costs and things like that. Um, but if it's not for you, you could always just donate ten bucks to the Trevor Project themselves, right? Like that's always an option. It's always nice. So there, that's one thing I want to talk about. Um, good good cause. Once again, I'm probably not going to buy it myself, but. Definitely interesting thing, at least. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a Magic uh, swimsuit calendar. Sorry. I mean, I think part of that is Magic players are uh, stereotypically not necessarily known for being you know, the most fit or in shape, and that's typically people you think of as being on a swimsuit calendar. So that being said, I, I mean, some of the people on that list are also you know, not the most in shape. So, no. But I think that's I think that's important though, right? It's a lot of people, you know, who look different, right? And I think that's oh yeah, you know, body positivity is definitely a good thing. I'm just like that's not typically what you think of when you think of a swimsuit calendar. But I think that's why like part of the reason that you this isn't something that comes up in magic oh, or that hasn't been done before. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. I think that this was a another. Um, yeah, if we were, I'm trying to think of even. I don't know what the, what the quote unquote like attractive, uh, esport would be like if it was like. League of Legends, I don't know. I don't know what happens. In, I don't know who it looks like. But you're right. Yeah, definitely there are some other ones that would, um, be more likely to have it. So, but it's cool. I mean, it's definitely cool. It, it could be a collector's item one day. So if that's all the incentive you need, then do it. I don't know. <laughs> um, well let's wrap up with this I, i'm sure you've seen this already they are releasing all access tokens next week um just so if you're familiar with what they did during eternal weekend or if they did um during the um gen con right they had these tokens that would grant you all access passes essentially all access before they you know did not allow you like secret layer products things like that uh but these uh, basically if you want to play with you know, a casual deck with four lotuses, that is all on you. Um, you know, in our cases, it's playing with a deck with four Force of Wills and four Uros, which is normally way over our borrow limits. Um, but you can actually get a token from um, Wizards like for the next couple weeks. Uh, returns next Wednesday for two weeks. Um, they haven't released any details on why or for when or, you know, but it looks like we're going to have an all-access pass for the next couple weeks. Do you have any thoughts on why we might have it? 
they're pushing vintage at the start of this year. I'm not really sure why they're pushing vintage so much. Um, and please, nobody message me reserved list speculation because I don't care. Mm. Um, but anyways, I I know they're pushing vintage. Um, there's a vintage PTQ coming up, and uh, Mana Traders is doing vintage this month, which I don't know that that necessarily has anything to do with Wizards, but I wouldn't be shocked. Mm. Uh, I think there's something else with vintage coming up soon. So it, it's very possible that they just want to let people experience that format, decide if that's something that they're interested in playing. Um, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I obviously we're not we're not a vintage podcast, right? But I've been talking about vintage, I think, for the past uh, basically every episode. Um, it's a really neat format. It's if you like legacy, it is in a lot of ways very similar, uh, more degenerate in some spots, but actually a little more fair in some other ones too. Um, really cool way if you want to get into vintage and try out that Mana Traders vintage series this month. Good way to do it. But I mean, once again, for me and you, I think I'm going to get it anyways, just so I don't have to keep borrowing cards from um, Mana Traders for a little bit. Um, and also so I can borrow some of these decks that are a little above my borrow limit that I constantly say, oh, man, if I only could borrow 500 ticks, I would get to play this deck. Man, I wish I had four euros so I could play this deck. I'm just going to buy this for, what, 20 bucks, 30 bucks, hopefully, um, and just play whatever deck I want for a little bit. You know, this coming back, like, it makes me nervous that they didn't say what the reason is, because I'm going to be really mad if there's, like, some super cool event, and I just, like, don't take off work because I don't know that it's coming. And then they're like, surprise, here's, like, the coolest magic event to ever magic. Yeah, be so salty. I, I was hoping that it'd be like Eternal Weekend too. I'd be like, oh sweet. Or they'll call it like you know the um, no, it could be like the Bazaar of of Mox or whatever. You know, they, I know they do like a bunch of speed events like that around the globe. And this year we're not doing any of those, so maybe it is some really cool, you know, two week long vintage and legacy um, event, but. I mean, hopefully, and like they did this last time too, right? Like, I hopefully they give you enough time where you actually can take off work or you know clear your weekend plans. I did not get enough time. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. I mean, no, it did. I mean, like I, I was lucky enough that I could play in the legacy one, but I had no chance to play in the vintage one. Like, I already had plans that were, you know, at that point month um, ahead of time. Like, and like that's the thing too. Like we we normally well I been normally going you've gone uh, definitely a couple times in the past couple of years but eternal weekend it's one of those things that like it's like all right i know it's the summer now i i'm going to be at eternal weekend the last week in october or the first week in november november like that is something that's set in stone i know i'm going already i've got to find a room i should really get a room but i, I already know i'm going um and i can set some time aside but like when they try to do last minute stuff it gets difficult so all right. Um, you want to wrap up? Uh, I just feel like we should also probably say, because uh, we haven't, like, really haven't talked about Legacy much this week, if there were a Legacy event this week, what would you play? Oh, ooh, man. Um, if there were a Legacy event, what would I play? I'm not even sure. Uh, I feel like a lot of the decks that I, I guess have been at least more familiar with Right, um, have not. I haven't gotten to put the rep the reps in with them recently, so I'm a little a little off. Um, the deck I think that has been doing really well 
and once again, I think this is kind of biased because of who it is. Um, Anarok's been playing this really, really cool um, Snow Miracles deck, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, but I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I feel like it's not fair. Like, because it's playing Astrolabe, which I think is that it's not playing any miracles in it. So uh, he was playing a copy of Terminus. Don't sell him short. Yeah, one. He's still not four. calling it Snow Miracles. You're right. You're right. Um, but I, I think this deck is a good a good place to be. Um, it's it's very powerful. A lot of really strong uh, play and counterplay in the main deck. Um, I think Hulperch is still a messed up magic card, and I just every the more I see him um, playing with it, I just think he gets more and more messed up. He's top top aided a lot of um, well top aided and done really well in some a lot of challenges recently with essentially this deck. Um, I think playing Uro is a good spot to um, to be. Um, and once again, the the combination of Narset, Oko, and Teferi, I think, is just super powerful in Legacy right now. So I think I would play something like this. And I'll, I'll actually post this deck too in the in the show notes so you guys can see what I'm talking about. But um, this is the deck that Anarog got eighth in the Legacy Challenge on um, Sunday with. So yeah, I think he actually top eight at both challenges this weekend. He did. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He got um, fourth in the um, the Saturday challenge too. I think it's the same seventy-five. Um, uh, I th- think he had Noble Hierarchs the first day and cut them for the second, but I could be wrong. Uh, no, he didn't have that. He was. I know he was playing with, it, with that earlier in the week, um, but it doesn't look like they made it into the deck for Saturday. But it is a. Oh, actually, oh no, he is, yeah, he, no, right. He has Terminus the main deck too. Um, but no, it's a, it's a really powerful deck, and once again, watching him play on stream is just like he's just like, just dunking on people randomly. He's just like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take all the, I'm gonna have seven cards in my hand. I'm gonna make seven, um, <laughs> seven treasures, and oh look, I'm gonna play, you know, a bunch of other messed up stuff on your turn. Hope you don't mind. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to beat that in a lot of games. Um, Perfect. what do you, what would you play? Uh, well. Gonna go ahead and give my go-to answer, uh, since I would have no time to play any magic leading up to it. I would play Depths. Okay. Uh, assuming that I had, assuming that I was working a normal amount mm-hmm. the rest of this week, I would play Doomsday. Okay. Based off of the information that uh, Joe Dyer has been collecting lately, it seems like spell-based combo is doing wonderful. Um, so I think Doomsday and Ant are actually both in like relatively good spots. Also, Rock Delver, while still prominent, people are finally starting to play less and less Delver, which I think is uh, the worst matchup for for Doomsday. And also, people are playing less Veil of Summers lately, which is really good against Ant. Uh, so I would probably play one of those. I think Doomsday is the better choice, but I'm more comfortable playing Ant. Mm-hmm. So like, I might do that just because I have a history of playing Ant. But I, I would lean towards one of those two decks likely okay. doomsday yeah doomsday is definitely one of the cards that or one of the decks i want to i do want to try playing with i haven't gotten to play with this deck yet once again way above my bar limit um so when we do get that all access pass them um next week i'm definitely gonna have to try this one out um it, this is still one of those decks too i breaking down the doomsday piles i i still am not sure how to how to do that so that's definitely a resource i need to try to see if i can find yeah, I've, I've played with it before, and I've been doing uh, some reading into the deck. Like, uh, I posted on Twitter not too long ago, like asking for help finding 
resources and articles on the deck. I was planning to play play a league with it. I was actually in the middle of the league and I finished that league and then never switched over to Doomsday. And I haven't had the chance to pick it up since reading those articles. Okay. Uh, but I think they were helpful. Like I <laughs> I definitely think I am more knowledgeable than I was before doing this research, but I haven't actually had the chance to to apply it to anything yet. Okay. Yeah, I mean, one thing, I think this deck is just, between, like, the, you know, things like Edge of Autumn, the ideas I'm bound to predict, like, when you're making your piles, it's like, which one do I, am I supposed to pick? Am I supposed to do this one or that one? Like, what's the benefit to doing either one of these? Like, definitely something you need, uh, I don't say practice with, but would be helpful to have at least a little bit of guidance on before you start making piles. It's really easy. You pick the one that kills them. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> a free advice. Yeah. Uh, all right. You ready to get out of here now? Uh, yeah. Okay. I have a story this week, actually. It's a, it's a nice, short, simple story. Okay, let's hear it. All right. Uh, so when I was in college, my roommate and I went to a party. Um, fun party, good times. Good times were had by all, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, my roommate had a... Uh, girl that he was you know trying to to swoon um he ended up bringing out the the, the uh I, I don't handle i guess the term is of um very cheap vodka and got smashed just absolutely demolished um so he he goes home way well before i do um and goes to sleep i i come in a little later he's passed out of the couch totally fine cool um i wake up in the morning still on the couch Okay, he's still he's okay. I go back to my room, hang out for a little bit, come back later. He's still on the couch, just passed out. I was like, "He's alive, right?" So I go check him. He's he's fine. He's good. He's like, "Could you get me the water?" Yeah, I'll get you water. You get him water. I'm like, "Okay." Do you want anything else? He's like, "I could. I really need to eat." Okay, let's get you some food. So I give him some food. I'm like, "All right, are you okay?" He's like, "I want to watch a movie." Oh, all right, let's watch a movie. Um, so we're we're flipping through the channels. It's like Comcast or whatever. Flipping through the channel, he's like, "Ooh, the movie with the mouth. Let's watch the movie with the mouth." Okay, sure. So we put on Tales of Deathbro. I'm not sure if you've ever seen Tales of Deathbro. It's a very heroic story. Very good movie, actually. Overall, um, watching Tales of Deathbro, and at this point, it's probably the movie's an hour and a half, hour forty minutes. We're probably like an hour and twenty minutes into it. The the climax of the story has already hit, and he's like. When does the mouse start cooking? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> like, he makes food at some point, right? Doesn't he? Doesn't he like go into a restaurant and like pull some guy's hair and make food? You are thinking of Ratatouille. This is Tale of Deathborough. Oh, I don't want to watch this. And he just gets up and goes through his food. <laughs> <laughs> and like, in one of those things, it's like, homie, we got twenty minutes left. Just finish the movie, like. He's like, nah, I'm, he just gets up and leaves. Like, okay. I mean, when you want to see the cooking mouse, you want to see the cooking mouse. Nothing else will do. Nothing else matters, yeah. And, like, if you have... Ratatouille is a great movie. I do love love me some Ratatouille. I think Patton Oswalt does a great job as a talking, cooking rat. But, like, Tail Death Pro is not bad. It is, it is fine. Yeah, you're right. It, you either want a cooking mouse or you don't want a cooking mouse. There's no in-between. Uh, um, <laughs> all right, that's... That's it. Um, where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find me at Expedition Map on Twitter and at Expedition Map on Twitch. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. Uh, if you want to email the podcast, if you want to tell us um, what a great job we're doing, you can find the podcast at uh, on Twitter at Depth underscore Podcast. If you want to email the show, though, you can email us at darkdepthpod at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any cool screenshots or you know cool games, any questions you want to ask us, either email us or or tweet us, whatever you want to do. Um, once again, thank you so much for tuning in every week. We really appreciate it. Thank you for bearing with us for a shorter episode. We promise we'll be back a little longer next week. Um, but uh, I make guess, no promises. No promises. Oh, no. Uh, but I hopefully I'll see you next week. Yes. Oh, also, if anybody listening is a vintage expert and would like to hear their voice on a podcast, uh, please reach out to us. We are... A little bit interested in trying to have somebody on to talk about mana traders next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no promises about that either. But you know, <laughs> if you are somebody or know somebody, reach out. If you were a friend, loves vintage. Uh, <laughs> all right, cool. All right, I'll see you next week. See you next week. All right, bye. <laughs>